This is Transistor.fm. This episode is brought to you by Redash.io. I just found this on Twitter. Byron says, been playing with Redash. It's open source, and it easily turns SQL, MongoDB, ElasticDB queries into embeddable charts. That's kind of what Redash is all about. Don't let your data just sit there. Create visualizations, charts, and dashboards with Redash. Anyone who mentions they came through this podcast gets 50% off for the first three months. Try it now. Redash.io. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. I'm, I'm really having to dial up my energy here. <laughs> Well, yeah, this is a terrible thing. Jumping to, jacks. Yeah, this is a terrible thing to say right at the beginning of a show. But I, I just, I woke up at five this morning. You know, it, it gets so bright so early. Yeah, and I don't have blackout blinds. I should get some. Yeah, they're they're good. They're like expensive and like heavy. Yeah, it's like so thick. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, I kind of figured that out. I I because I'm waking up really early and then I just feel ruined. I, my natural time, I think I'm best when I wake up at like eight o'clock, you know, that's like yeah. a good time with the kids. You have to wake up at seven, but five, that's just ridiculous. I don't mind waking up early. I mean, if I go to bed early, but like, I don't, I don't mind waking up with the sun. I think it's kind of nice, but yeah, but the sun must be up at like 4am or something. Uh, at least, at least out here, it feels like it's it's it's. So, for, yeah, I'm trying to think for you because you're on like the eastern edge of a time zone. 4:53 a.m. is when <sighs> sunrise is. So, oh, yeah, it's there's a lot of daylight starting in the morning. If you love to wake up at 5 a.m., you should come here because <laughs> it's like you're in it right away. I do like that feeling though when you've had a good night's sleep. Like you go to bed early and then you wake up at like four or five and it's still dark out. Yeah. And you're like out, like you can go for a walk and everyone's still sleeping. And yeah, you feel like you get a head start on everything. Oh, I just love that. Yeah. And then you're just looking at those suckers that started their work yeah. day at nine. I had a, like a week of that once when I tr- I was in Great Britain for like 10 days with a friend mm-hmm. and had some jet lag coming home so i'd wake up super early i'd go to bed at like nine o'clock but wake up at like five yes in the summer and it was great because it was light out and i was like this is amazing and i I, there's no way to keep it up but yeah (laughs) i mean some people do i know i know people that wake up at five and that's like their that's their day i'm like yeah oh i could not do that uh talking about work days how's it been you've you've been officially kind of gone for oh yeah a little while now a little while. Uh, it's been interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, obviously last episode we talked about leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of good, like, positive feedback from people, which was kind of amazing. They're really, like, encouraging. Tons of feedback, actually. Tons of people, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to hear. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of always a gamble, but a lot of people are like, oh, man, it's great. You know, congratulations. I know I'm or like I'm thinking of doing the same thing or I just did or like mm-hmm. 
you know, a lot of things like that. But um, yeah, and I think people, especially because we were trying to emotionally process what it's like to leave a job. Yeah, and the I think one thing that resonated with folks is when we were saying, you know, contentment is good, but there there comes a time where you're just not not exactly just growing, but you're just not getting out of your current situation what you'd like. It's no longer satisfying. Mm-hmm. And the, that's a great time to go. Could be nothing wrong with, you know, where you were. It could, it, But having that ability to say your contentment has an expiration date. And right. if you're, you know, if you're just in a place where you're not doing your best work, well, maybe it's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we were processing that. And I think now we're going to try to process what it's like to work independently mm-hmm. on your own. Yeah. Maybe describe for folks what what was it like working at the Cards Against Humanity office? Some people probably picture like clowns on unicycles. and right. uh, People are like doing keg stands and just like writing <laughs> funny stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it really, it actually really evolved over the years. So they... They had opened an office four years ago, I think. Yeah. And it really started out, the company was a lot smaller then. There was no there was no black box. It was just Cards Against Humanity. And they opened the office as kind of like this co-working space slash office space for cards, mm-hmm. but where half of the space would essentially be rented out to kind of like friends of the family almost like friends of the company yeah who would sort of rent desks at a pretty reasonable rate that would include all sorts of stuff like you know food and like some snacks and coffee and drinks and like a nice desk and super fast internet and that was great i mean it was like a really the first year i think was a really entertaining like interesting time because you there was so many other types of people there doing different stuff. Yeah. So in that in that sense, it like it didn't really f- feel like I was working for a company, rather, but like in a co working space. Yeah. So there was like a lot of other stuff going on. What 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 about that? Did you like? I just liked the. It was easier to break up your day and sort of like talk to different people about different stuff. Like really, sort of, I don't know if cross pollination is the right word, but like. Mm-hmm. You know, there were people doing like making video games and people making music and people doing just graphic design and photography. And it was just like you could just talk about different stuff during lunch or take a break and like, you know, help some help someone out with something that isn't even for Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. So in that sense, it was it was pretty cool. And, and there's almost two elements to that. There's this there's this part of like we just want to enjoy our life. Mm-hmm. And we want to spend our time being around interesting people who are doing interesting things. And with almost no, like on this side of the coin, there's almost no professional aspirations at all. It's just fun and uh, enjoyable to be around interesting people who are doing interesting work. Yeah. And so for the first year, that was great. And I think what happened was that a lot of people were sort of like staying at the office. There was a lot of stuff happening even after hours, like events and like mm-hmm. 
because there's a there's a small theater at the office space that's really nice. Yeah. So they would do these events and like have people come in or do like it's like comedy comedy events or like political events or stuff like that. And I think people ended up getting burnt out on just like being there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so like it really changed after the first year and a lot of the and cards grew and black box grew and then some of the people who were just co-working sort of like moved on and left and either got their own space or got different jobs and moved on so it like i don't know it slowly like sort of morphed into something else Mm -hmm. which wasn't necessarily bad it was just different so that was like definitely a change to get used to but actually working for cards i mean it was you know it was it was pretty relaxed as far as like jobs go and places to work like really kind of an amazing place mm-hmm. yeah um you know no one is on your like on you to like show up at nine o'clock exactly and stay till five or six it's like we didn't necessarily ever work terrible hours yeah um nobody was like pushing us to you know work 12 hour days or anything like that so yeah I, on on the flip side do you have do you have an idea of in which space you do your best work or in what kind of what's the setup you think you need to do your best work? Um, that's a good question. So the office is an open, it's very open, mm-hmm. which, you know, is like the, I don't know if it's trendy. I mean, it's probably past that point now. It's cheaper. Yeah. But it honestly sucks. Yeah. Like, Open offices are terrible. Yeah. They're really bad for, I think, concentration and productivity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably hard to find an office with a door anywhere, really. Yeah. But thinking back, even before I started at Cards, it was actually the summer I was working on the Cards store website as a contractor. I was... I was uh, at a shared workspace or like sharing an office space with a couple friends who were also independent mm-hmm. or working on their own stuff. Um, and I, that was probably like the best five or six months I've had as far as work goes. Okay. Why is it that? Was a, it was, well, it was just like a really nice quiet space. Um, and it was, it was still open in the sense that it was one big room, but everyone had their own desk Yeah, and everyone was largely like put on their headphones and did their work. We'd take breaks to like walk to get food. Mm-hmm get some lunch you know there was like a ping pong table in the office and no one really used it was this video game company okay in chicago and they were so my friends were subleasing from this company so i was essentially subleasing on a sublease and like paying my friends money and yeah it was just like really easy to concentrate i think there were largely not many distractions yeah um you know it wasn't like an office with a door, a small room that I could close and like really concentrate, but it was still, I don't know, isolated enough to where I could just put headphones on and be like, the headphones mean don't talk to me for two hours. Yeah. Yeah. But you enjoyed like having some human presence around you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's ultimately what I want to get back to is something like that. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I've been talking to a couple of people um, either about finding a small office space for like three or four of us mm-hmm. or f- trying to find a co-working space that like, is like a little bit more of a 
I don't know, collaborative like community environment as opposed to like sort of these white label we work style monstrosities that are popping up where like I don't think anyone really is collaborating yeah at all yeah yeah it's I've never actually been to one of those but uh you definitely know when you go into a co-working space where it feels small and kind of homegrown and the you know people have kind of been added organically uh, yeah. There's a good vibe to those places. And honestly, like this, so here in Vernon, I I started out renting my own little office that was just, you know, a 200 square foot space with a door and a window. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of about that that I liked. Uh, it was nice to have my own kind of private space. But I did miss having human beings around. Yeah. And so then we switched, uh, I started a a little co-working place here with four, sorry, three other guys. And initially it was like, okay, we're just going to split the rent between the four of us. And that's worked out really well. And and since then we've added, I think we have, I don't know, probably 10 full-time people now, and then maybe another five part-time people. And it's great. Like it's a, it's a really nice space. You know, today there's only two other people here and it's just enough kind of human beings around you. It gives you some someone to say hi to in the morning. Hey, you know, how's it going? And similarly, you know, headphones on means you're kind of working or whatever. I do miss, I think the the, the perfect space for me would be a mix between the two. So a commons where you could see other people and even... You know, there's certain tasks where it's fun to be around other people. Like if I'm doing support, customer support, I don't mind doing that around other folks um, because the energy around you kind of is motivating. But I wish I had my own studio space where it's just a private room I go into (laughs) and create, you know? Right. And... I really love this idea of like the writing shed, you know, like Ernest Hemingway had a writing shed that was just in his backyard. No, if I would say if, if I had a, a backyard, I would probably do that. That actually sounds, I know a lot of, well, I don't know people, but I know of people, mm-hmm. you know, in the industry or through podcasts or whatever that have that set up. Yeah. And it sounds, it sounds pretty cool. And I think it's nice to have both, you know, a a private kind of studio space where you can go in and, you know, for me, it would be a space where I always have microphones and cameras all hooked up, lighting kind of ready to go, uh, sound, my sound stuff and, and, um, and also maybe a space for me to do writing that's quiet, but I'm on the other hand, I still want that other kind of like, you know, I'm working on something and, um, it, you know, there's been tons of times here where, uh, people have been able to just come over to my desk and help me with something. Right. And so, yeah, I think a mix between the two is kind of the ultimate and we're in this new weird phase of, uh, of, you know, uh, of work, I think, but even you and I are like working on this company. Part of the reason we're doing this is because we want to figure out like we just want a good life. 
And so, yeah, figuring out like how to how to work and what environment we work best in and how much to work. Right. Yeah, that's going to be it, it'll be it's going to be tricky. I I do know this already. Uh working at home is not going to work. <laughs> like I, I don't I don't I can't really pinpoint it what it is. I mean there's you just end up being in the same place all day. It's mm-hmm. not it's not good. Yeah. Um coffee shops are okay, but like I I worked in coffee shops so much in my 20s that like I just can't. Yeah. I don't know if they have changed or I, if I've changed, but like I, it just I can't focus in those anymore. Yeah, really, and I just feel bad like sitting at a table for like hours at a time. Yeah, yeah. There's something about having and really thinking through what is my optimal work environment, and I think one of the best things I did was rent an office outside of my house, mm-hmm. and that act of jumping on my bicycle riding down to the office and there's this article I'll link to it's called how creating contextual zones can turn you into a productivity powerhouse. But the whole idea it's this, this fellow Kunal Shandia and he says, "I, I noticed when I entered the library, I was already thinking about reading and writing. And the idea is that when we, when we go to certain places our brain says, oh, I know what this place is for. You go to the kitchen, right. your brain goes, this place is for eating. When you yeah. go to your bedroom, your brain goes, this place is for sleeping. The problem happens is if you start doing work in your bedroom, then your brain doesn't yep. know what the heck to do, right? Right. And that's where people get insomnia because they'll lay down in that's bed. That's why, I, yeah, exactly. That's why I never want a TV in my room, my bedroom. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah, yeah, and it's... I, I've actually been tempted. I don't know. I must be getting older because I, w- I was always like, no TV in the bedroom. And lately I've been like laying in bed. I'm like, man, I just wish I had a TV right here. <laughs> <laughs> you open one in your hand. Your <laughs> I know. That's the, fr- that's the other problem. <laughs> but there's something about contextual zones that I think is really resonates with me. And so when I, you know, when I get to my office, I know, okay, this is where I get work done you know, the coffee shop for me is like, this is the place where I do my socializing. This is where I, you know, maybe have interesting conversation. Right. Uh, the park and the places I go for walks around here are, you know, these are the places I do my thinking and dreaming. Mm-hmm. And so just thinking about those zones has been really helpful for me. Uh, and I think helpful for my brain <laughs> to not be always kind of pulled from one place to the other of like, okay, Justin, are you home right now? Are you like home with family and relaxing or are you working? Even now, I, I probably do a little too much work at home because I can tell when I, I, I get home, sometimes my brain is still like, well, no, you're you're still in work mode, Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, for me, even if even with a full time job at an office, like I still have a hard enough time um, shutting off and mm-hmm. not working at home. Yeah. So, like, for me to work at home during the day and not go anywhere, and then, like, when do I? When do I? When is like not work time? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. And I, I, you know, I knew that I've been through phases like this before. I, I, I know that about myself mm-hmm. already, which is good. It's not like I have to learn that. It's just finding, I think, the right space. Yeah. Uh, with, with the right people 
is, you know, something I kind of want to think on and like really make the right decision about. The other thing, the other thing too is like, like I don't have much of a commute really. So I think part of, I mean, you know, I, I would never want to like drive for an hour to work every day mm-hmm. or drive home, you know, like the, the whole like drive to work for an hour, drive back from work for an hour every day. Like that sounds not, not great. But yeah. like, I think there's something to be said for like, you know, in Chicago anyway, like getting on a train or getting on a bus or, you know, riding your bike. But like the act of like traveling somewhere and sort of just feeling like you're part of something, like part, you're around people who are also, yeah. You, know, say you might see some of the same people every day, but like you just see other people doing I don't know other stuff you're just like it's a it's a time to like think and like yeah let your mind just kind of like wander because you don't really you're not working yet you're not at home you're just like going to a place which you know a lot of people just look at their phone yeah i don't generally do that i don't think when i'm on a train i sort of just like look around that's a good point like those transition times uh i've never even thought about time yeah yeah there's something about that that going from one place to the other and your brain is just kind of like getting ready or your brain is winding down. I do think there's something about that too. And you lose that when you're at home because you just get up and like you go from your sad bowl of cereal to your sad laptop. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're, you're still in your boxers or something. You're just like, you haven't really yeah, you're, turn, turned on work mode. You're like, well, here's a couch and the laptop. Yeah. This is all I need. <laughs> yeah. And you're just kind of, yeah, you're just there in your, in your, your bed filth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh, now it's four o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't really. Yeah. Showered. Yeah. The, I think there's, there's a few interesting elements. There's like this, like that transition time of I'm leaving my house. I'm not yet at work. But now I'm going to do some things that are kind of on the way to work. And yeah, for me, a lot of that is being on the bike. And um, I even have this weird thing I do where I, I get on my bike and I just look, start like looking at my legs, at doing pedaling. And there's this like rotation of the pedals. And it just kind of like wakes me up and it makes me feel like I'm in a rhythm. And then I'm pedaling you know, down the hill. And then the next kind of stop is always for coffee first and mm-hmm. going in for coffee and seeing people and saying hello. And, you know, all of these are kind of transition things. And then by the time I get to the office, hopefully I'm ready to kind of, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do some work here. So yeah, that's interesting. Like going for walks or jumping on a bus or I, I know some people who work from home that they would actually do that. They would like take a, a short bus ride or or do a walk around their, you know, like they would get dressed as if they were going for work and then they would leave their house out one door and then they would come back to their house through a side door and then it was this feeling of, okay, now I'm at work. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that being effective. Yeah, I think the only other thing that's been really helpful for me and you touched on this, is this idea of having local community and online community. Yeah. One of the nice things about moving to a new town is, so when I moved here in 2012, I was really moving here with intention, like, okay, you know, this isn't my old town. 
where I could just kind of like be complacent. I have to move here and I have to make stuff happen. And so I was really motivated to meet people. And that's been really helpful to feel like, you know, here at the co-working place. And then I run this event called Geek Beers. And, you know, like I said, I've got tons of kind of like uh, intellectual friends that I talk to at at the coffee shop I go to. And so I feel like I've developed this kind of group of people that are here locally, you know, half of whom are maybe in tech related things, but the other half are not. And man, that's been nice to just be able to, you know, go for lunch with people. Yep. And, uh, and have that connection because when you're working online, and especially for you and I, because we're not in the same place, uh, or if you're on a remote team, even you you still need local connection. And uh, yeah, I've definitely felt that missing in the past. And now that I have it here, I I get it. It's like, oh yeah, this this part is like why you can't just l- live in the suburbs and work in the suburbs. And, you know, like you have to get out and be amongst people. And there's got to be kind of a group of people that you see with a regular cadence. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the thing I've largely, I think, lost touch with over the last few years, I think, is like that local community that I that I did really, you know, make an effort to build up Mm -hmm. Um, because I moved to Chicago in 2008 uh, and it took a it took a while, but like, I I like at some point I think I just decided to make an effort to do that. Yeah, and it took a lot of work, and it like really worked out. Yeah, um, per- personally and professionally, and um, I think I sort of lost touch with some of that just having a full time job for as long as I did. Yeah, um, and then the online community aspect, like I really I don't necessarily have that either. Mm-hmm. So I will you know have to sort of <laughs> build that up too yeah I, mean, I I certainly like have had some of that in the past but i really like my interaction on twitter and stuff has been really minimal and like i'm not super active in any sort of like slack groups or online forums that i've i'm a part of so yeah uh, that that'll be a that'll be a i think a challenge for me yeah i mean i think the local piece is the most important part yeah uh and then the online piece can be helpful because then it's that same idea of you're interacting with these folks all around the world who have different skills and can, you know, um, yeah, just apart from from your work and your team and everything else, give you other perspective. I, I found that really helpful. But e- yeah, but e- I think even for travel, it's really huge too because, you know, you end up making these... I guess friends, if you want to call them that, mm-hmm. that you've never met around the world, and you go travel somewhere that, that where they live, and it's like you can meet up with them, and it's like, oh yeah, we know each other. This is cool. Yeah, yeah, and totally. Then from there, you end up meeting their friends, mm-hmm. their their social group in their city, and like, yeah, you know, it just kind of you, you then you end up knowing so many people all over the world or the country, which you know, I 
I've, I've, I'm in that boat. Like I know a lot of people in different cities, either through other conferences or, you know, XOXO is how we met. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I've stayed, you know, with friends, like some people are, I would consider less friends as acquaintances, but like I've still stayed in touch with some of them like off and on. So you can still like meet up with them and like have a coffee or a drink and it's like, super relaxed yeah and it yeah and, and can be helpful too yeah uh, yeah yeah all of that is is uh important and now the nice thing is that if you're as long as you're conscientious about it because you're just getting into it again you can be you can kind of design the life that you want because you can think about okay how am i going to do this right let's just break and talk to you about profitwell.com uh, using ProfitWell's API, Manuel Frigerio, I think I'm saying that right, uh, he created a Google Sheet that automatically gives him a weekly report on his business's key KPIs. And he was able to do all of that. There's instructions online. I, I'll link to his tweet in the show notes as well. ProfitWell.com gives you all of your SaaS metrics for free. Um, and they're also releasing season two of their podcast. The first episode just dropped. You can check out that podcast at protectthehustle.com. Uh, I thought another thing that we could talk about, because it's and it, it kind of touches on this whole thing, but we recently, uh, I said we should share our contact information so, like, you should share my contact information with some emergency contacts on your side. Right. And I should do the same on my side. <laughs> Can you remember why that came up? Because you were going hiking. Oh. <laughs> in the mountains, and you're like, see, in three days, I won't have a phone. <laughs> I think that's why it came up. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and I... Again, this interesting thing that only internet businesses have to think about. By the way, I think what we are doing is super interesting and beautiful. And there's something about two people in two different countries who are building a business together um, that's really cool and doing it remotely. And there's all sorts of benefits, I, I think, that we get from that. But one of the weird things is, like, let's say it's 100 years ago and you and I decide to start a bakery together, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'd probably be in the back baking bread. I'd probably be in the front hustling bread. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, if something happened, let's say that you were in the back and you, you chopped off one of your fingers. Yeah. Well, it's very likely I would know some people that should know, right? So like maybe I, I'd met your parents or something and I'd be like, oh, I better give John's parents a call because he just chopped off his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, or in a similar vein, like if I was, you know, out, um, I'm trying to think of what I'd be doing a hundred years ago. Riding your, your, uh, your old school bicycle with the huge wheel to work. Yeah. Yeah. And you got hit by a <laughs> A horse, uh, yeah, I don't know. yeah, horse and buggy. <laughs> um, my my spouse might have to run to the bakery and say, "Hey, John, uh, Justin just got hit by a horse and buggy. Uh, he won't be at work today." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, but because we're building this internet business, our circles 
like there's very there's very little overlap and uh, i think it just means we have to be kind of more thoughtful and mindful and actually i haven't heard of anyone else doing this i'm sure other co-founders have done this i should ask but yeah we just basically i just took your contact information and i wrote three emails to you know uh, people in my family and just said hey i'm partnered with john uh in this company called transistor inc uh here's where it's located uh you know here's some other details and here's john's contact information just in case something happens and yeah i think it's it's interesting that it it was interesting even to have that thought of like oh yeah we should do that right it seems weird to say but i'm like i hope they never contact me <laughs> yeah yeah you know of course it, i mean it's a little bit morbid uh well, yeah but but you, know, you got to think about that stuff but i'm gonna die someday right so <laughs> and i'm i'm older than you so statistically i'll probably die first so when we're still running our business in our 90s and i'm like <laughs> i turn 99 and i just like choke on a ham sandwich <laughs> or you just like you just like turn into dust yeah just turn into dust it'll be nice for for uh you know people in my family to be able to contact me and go well it finally happened <laughs> justin turned to dust <laughs> it just blew away in the wind it just blew away to the wind um <laughs> and then you know i i think there is a question of like and i'm sure there's some legal folks that can talk about this but you know what does happen i don't i don't exactly know what happens when stuff like that happens, like if I go into a coma for 30 years, like what happens? Yeah, I don't know. I need to, I actually need to talk to a lawyer about that too, just in, personally, because there's like power of attorney stuff that can happen. I don't know how it is in Canada. Maybe it's slightly different. Well, but. that's the other weird thing is that how does it work for us, like especially me being a Canadian shareholder in this American company? Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, this podcast would be pretty boring if it was just you on the microphone and me in a coma. That would be pretty bad. <laughs> Although that would be, I, I mean, I would probably listen to at least one episode of, you know, Justin's in a coma. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I thought it was interesting enough that we should mention it. Um, and maybe another thing that we touched on last time, but this this article by one of the founders of Dribble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'll just read this quote because it's it's something that you know I I've, I've thought of quite a bit, especially as I've been recommending to people to get a co-founder. Um, so this fellow, uh, what's his name? I think it's Rich. He says, uh, no, no, this is, this is the other, this is the guy that's not rich, but he this says, this is Dan, right? Yeah, Dan, that's right. Dan Cederholm, yeah. Yeah, so Dan Cederholm says, uh, know that a partnership is very much like a marriage. Should you be blessed with any amount of success, you'll be going through some stuff with these people. You'll be spending a lot of time together. You'll be making big life decisions together. You won't always get along. You won't always see eye to eye. Um, <laughs> and, he says, co-founding a company requires you to be married, and sometimes that isn't easy, but it's important for you to be close on a level that can test your will. Communication is paramount. And so 
Um, and I know you got a few other things out of this article that would be good to yeah. talk about too, but I just, obviously I think, uh, having a co-founder is not a thing to take lightly and, you know, so far I think you and I have been lucky and, in that I th- I think we've worked pretty good together. But there's obviously like when someone lays it on the ground like that, like, you know, something's going to happen. Right. And, and I think it's just helpful to have these, these, uh, in, in some ways you can't avoid the discomfort of this, but what it seems like you can do is, emphasize the stuff that helps like communication right having hard conversations uh and we even touched on this in the past like we've both struggled in our former lives to sometimes have difficult conversations yeah i mean i know for me personally that is something i definitely shy away from yeah (laughs) and then i need to work like really hard on actually Either, like initiating those conversations or trying to like not avoid them entirely. But yeah. And so, I mean, again, we've said this last time, but one of the things this podcast does allow us to do is vocalize some things in, in some ways in a safe way because we're, we're recording it for the show. But uh, yeah, I just found like his whole description of their partnership really interesting. And clearly like when a partnership is going well, you have two different people that both have different strengths and weaknesses that hopefully equal each other, equalize each other, and they're able to go in a common direction and, you know, make this incredible progress. Yeah. But you're not going to be able to find somebody who's different than you, which is kind of what you need, and not, and expect that there's, it's just always going to be, you know, uh, easy or, uh, fun. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, we haven't we haven't really. I don't think we've had any really terrible like conversations or confrontations or anything yet. But I mean, it'll happen. I don't. I don't think either of us can really predict what that topic's going to be. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, exactly. Or or just something stressful. You know. It, yeah, yeah. There, true, there'll yeah. be there'll be some things for sure, and I. Again, to me, I think there's a part, uh, a power in having somebody else there that is easy to discount. You know, I think you can do a lot of this stuff as a solo founder, but the the more I've worked with you, the more I've realized, like, sometimes it's just motivating to have someone else kind of in the arena with you, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's cert- it's definitely helpful, like... You know, like on days where you're low energy, you know, like for instance, if you're like today, if you're tired and yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's probably helpful to have someone there to just talk to and like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't, I don't think I could do this. I don't think, especially a software company, I think is really difficult to do by yourself. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of times, a lot of days where we're going to record, and I'm just like, you know, it's it's a once a week thing, but it com- I feel like it comes up so quickly. Yeah. But I'm like, oh man. Yeah. Like I'm not ready for this. I'm like, 
thinking about something else or like not mm-hmm. finished with this other thing. I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> but then once you start, it's totally fine. But yeah. Well, and, and again, like it's, you know, the, this kind of root, routinized, routinized, routinized practice. Uh, yeah. Of no, we got it. We got to record the show, which means you and I have to, <laughs> you and I have to talk about stuff. And yeah, I, I think there's something really healthy about that. What were, what were some of the other things? I, I know you wrote some of these notes a, little, a while ago. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm actually browsing through this article right now, uh, or this post. It's actually a really good post. It's about him. Yeah, just important lessons he learned running a company for, I guess, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Right? 10? Yeah. Which seems kind of crazy, but that it's been that long. Um, no, I mean, Dan Cederholm was at Simple Simple Bits on Twitter. He was like a really early proponent of, you know, standards-based HTML and CSS. Like he was really pretty influential in my early learning. Yeah. Um, back in, you know, 2003, 2004, when that stuff was really taking off. So it's kind of, it's been interesting to watch his career, I guess. And uh, yeah, there was... The, the, a lot of little things I think you can take out of this. Like there's some funny stuff. Like he says, start, start with a t-shirt, yeah. which is, you know, which I guess we did, we did that too, sort of. We had, a, we had a couple t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a few shirts. Yeah. His was in context of like, make a bunch of t-shirts, send them out to, to people, you know, or customers that will like talk about it and send them like a care package and be like, Hey, here's this thing with a cool t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to do that actually soon again is, is uh probably do some print on demand just to start because it's easy but um yeah make a bunch more shirts i've sent i sent chris ends a shirt and it's just fun having people you know receive something and wear it and you know feel like they're so much of our our thing is people feeling like they're part of the journey right so yeah, I, I totally resonate with that. Yeah, the other I think the other couple of things that really stood out was um he talks about persistent iteration over flashy launches. Yes. It's really I think you know, I I see these companies like working for months and months and months to launch this thing that they're working on and they launch it and it's like it just lands with like a dud or something. It's like here's this new thing and then nobody really cares. So like mm-hmm. you know, if you can, I think just like slowly fix and work on things like there's obviously going to be features that need you know weeks at a time to really focus on but i don't think you need to really make every feature every launch this big like announcement yeah it's just like you know i i I think we could probably do a better job of sending out notices to our customers of like here's what's new in the last month and here's how to use it Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, maybe now that we you know both are working on this more uh, we can maybe make that happen, but I don't think we need to be like, we just launch a new thing and like announce it to the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, like, think, ladies you know, and gentlemen, you know, get, yeah. hold on to your hats because you have not seen this before. And then we have ch- just changed the world of yeah. <laughs> X and Y. Changing the world of audio forever. <laughs> yeah. Make, you know, pay someone to 
like fifty thousand dollars to make some weird video or like promotional <laughs> video, and then where's that money going? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that's good advice for sure. There's a couple points about. Well, this was about him designing a website and app for designers. He said, which is difficult, but mm-hmm. you know, we're sort of making a podcasting site for podcasters. So, yeah. Couple of things he says is like learn who to ignore. Okay. Which I think we've done a pretty good job of, maybe. Like, you know, you have some people who are maybe persistently asking or like asking in a way that's a little bit negative, like demanding something. Mm-hmm, You're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, here's some here's some other recommendations of maybe who you can work with. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really like that actually, of not like there's the there's this idea of like, you should just take any customer you can get and then just work as hard as you can to please them. Right. But there's some really hard to please people. And they're, they're really not worth it. Like it, it, if they're, if they were hard to convince to sign up and then they get in and then they're like still unhappy. Mm hmm it just sucks so much of your energy and there is kind of a tipping point, I think where you have to go, okay, well, cause sometimes you, you're able to help those folks and you know, they're great. They, you know, there's just a, a little bit of a, a bigger on-ramp, but then they're really, they're really wonderful customers. But uh, many times people that are like, okay, so uh, yeah, convince me. Why should I sign up? What what makes you better than X, Y, and Z? Huh? Prove it to me. Oh, well, but they have this over here. And what, you know, why, why don't you have that? You're not going to be able to please those people. So your inclination is to be like, is to kind of fight for your, your product and, you know, tell people all the ways it's better. But really, you know, it shouldn't take too much convincing. Right. I guess if it does, you know, I guess maybe the takeaway from that type of example is like maybe our marketing site doesn't do a good enough job of explaining some some aspect of what we do. Yeah, there's 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 the true there's always going to be folks that you just cannot please or are difficult to please. And so uh you definitely want to ignore those folks and I think also there's always going to be people on the sidelines who have no vested interest in what you're doing except that they're on the sidelines and they have an opinion (laughs) right (laughs) and so with those folks i'm always a little bit like okay well i see you you're on the sidelines but you like there's you have no investment other than the fact that you can uh write a comment about what we're doing that's that's not as interesting to me as somebody who, you know, is a a customer from day one or a longtime customer or somebody who has, you know, some, some skin in the game. Um, yeah, the last, the last one I think, uh, and I think you do an especially good job of this is, uh, celebrate the positive. Okay. What do you mean by that? So, well, he says, um, focus on praise and positivity, positivity and make sure your team reads it all. Mm. So they had a Slack channel where they actually like they would just post like really positive mentions of of Dribble, mm-hmm. which you know you do you do a lot of. You're like, hey, this this person saying this about us, and mm-hmm. um, which is really great to hear. Um, 
especially like if you're if you're kind of like in a spot where you're stuck on something or you're grumpy or you're like mm-hmm. um it's really it's nice to hear that from customers cuz you know a lot of times you'll hear from customers who are complaining about a bug or something going wrong yeah yeah and that's like if that's all you hear it's just like oh my god everyone thinks this thing is terrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah or or you could just be stuck in the weeds and like stuck with a really mucky bit of tech you know or or something that's just boring and uh i still get really excited when i hear from people that have experienced the kind of what makes podcasting special mm-hmm. and there there's just getting excited about the medium um really inspires me and so when folks are like making connections with their audience or even better when the audience is responding and saying oh my god like you you told it felt like you were speaking directly to me during that part right and there's something about you know sometimes being raw and sometimes sharing something that was you know previously maybe not talked about or just being able to articulate the the human experience and having someone on the other end of the line go oh oh me too i've never heard anyone you know, this is the first time I felt a connection with someone else that ex- had experienced that. I find those things very encouraging, and uh, yeah, just there's something deep about that that I, I I feel like, yeah, I and I do try to post those to Slack because it, it's it's inspiring for us because we know we're not just we're not just like writing code or just you know another we're not just two other white guys on the internet like what we're trying to empower people to connect with an audience and then even better we're we're hopefully positively affecting listeners who are you know getting to hear these things and maybe having their own revelations or not feeling so alone or whatever yeah absolutely sweet well let's button this up yeah, we'll uh, yeah we'll probably give an update on the whole independent working thing at some point in the future. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should touch back on it. I'd love to hear from listeners actually how they manage their workday when they're working alone or on a remote team. You can just reach out to us on Twitter at Transistor FM or uh, at John Buda B U D A. I'm at M I Justin. The letter M, the letter I Justin. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. But uh, yeah, let's give a shout out to the Patreon folks. Yeah, cool. Yeah, as always, thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon for making this show possible. Uh, we have Colin Gray uh, from Alitu.com, uh, Josh Smith, Ivan Kirkovic, Brian Ray, Miguel Pedrafita, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Corey Haynes, Michael Sitver. Paul Jarvis and Jack Ellis, uh, Dan Buddha, my brother. Yeah, is he? You're gonna see him soon. Soon, yeah. It's yeah. a hol- it's a holiday over there soon. Yeah, Fourth of July. Independence Day. Independence Day. You just had what? Canada Day. Yeah, we just had Canada Day. I suppose that's the s- similar 
It, yeah, it's it's similar, Cycle but we, celebration. we're just celebrating. Like, hey, we never we never like kicked the monarchy out. We're still cool with them. Right. <laughs> so not so much independence as like, yeah, just, we're just else. like, <laughs> yeah, we're just like, well, things worked out for us too, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> Darby Frey, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young. Brad from Canada, Kevin Markham, Sammy Schuchert, Dan Erickson, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. Junta. I love, I, I can't wait. To, I, have you noticed that Junta uh, numbers his Instagram posts? Uh, I, he, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been on there in a while, but he used to do that. Uh, he does like the one a day type of deal. Okay. The 65 thing. Okay. So I, I, yeah, yeah, I've been trying to figure that out. All right. So it's like the day of the year I think he does. Okay, I can't wait to see what what's going to be on July fourth. Oh, I, yeah. I I mean, know. he's pretty artsy with his photos, and so yeah, I mean, I I would I'm expecting like my over under is for fireworks, but I'm thinking ah, oh, Junta's pretty artsy, so maybe he's going to do something else. Could be something else. You never know. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Fox, uh, get uh, get rewardful and our sponsors this week, ProfitWell and Redash. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening, and we will see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.